Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. This season of the No BS Pod is proudly brought to you by our friends Beyond and Costco. Beyond offers you the tools you need to get, grow, and optimize your revenue. And Casago's best-in-class tech streamlines operations for the local traditional vacation rental management company, making them the local heroes with a global presence. Our podcast is not possible without the generosity of our sponsors. Make sure to check out their exclusive offers specifically geared for our No BS listeners. Mormite, how are you? Uh, John, as always, fantastic. No real complaints. How are you? I'm I'm really good. Season three, episode four. We oh, yeah. it's been it's been a whirlwind. It's been nonstop. We have an amazing guest this weekend. I want to jump right in. I don't want to waste too much time listening to our hot air. We have a lot of it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, excellent. So we're we're going across the pond with a huge player in in the vacation rental holiday let cottages space. Um, we are excited to uh, bring in and announce Graham Donahue of Sykes Holiday Cottages. Thanks for joining us, Graham. Yeah, welcome to the show. Pleasure. Delighted to be here. Looking forward to it. I was lucky enough to, uh, by accident, sit down. Uh, I was at the um, the VRMA Executive Summit in down in West Palm in Florida what, a couple months ago now, and was uh, eating lunch or breakfast or one, I don't know, where, where you said... I always make a rule for myself when I when I sit down at any one of these uh, these conferences to go and sit with people I have not never talked with, and I also have a a, a kind of a, an unwritten rule that if I have a team of people on a, on my team, like if we're you know I'm there with Hopper and we're all there, is that we don't sit together. Hey, you go sit over there. Everyone kind of go meet and mingle with other people. It's just a great way to know each other and had an opportunity to uh, well eavesdrop. And listen to Graham talking to other people. I've got a few words in here and there, but I was excited to uh, to to connect with Graham and and again excited to have you on your show. How the heck does a, a guy like yourself? And we, we want to hear your story, but how do you get into you know from you know your what is it the money? You're doing a bunch of different things on digital with with money and stuff like that. But how do you go ahead and and you get from like you're on was it money supermarket and then travel supermarket is, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're in 2016 you you are you know kind of move into this position as CEO of you know of Sykes. You know how does that happen? I think um, I mean so the story is that money supermarket is a price comparison website. So I guess. Um, I'm trying to think of an equivalent you have in the US. Um, Klarna, maybe is an example. Um, but, but, but one of the original price comparison websites that existed. And I joined there from a travel company called TUI, so the world's largest tourism organization. And I went through seven years learning about this thing called the internet. That shows you how old I am. You know, the internet hardly existed back in those days. It was always about contact centers and about selling holidays on the high street. And um I then joined Money Supermarket because it was entrepreneurial and it was doing some pretty cool things. And over seven years, we had 54 different channels, you know, credit cards, loans, mortgages, travel, actually joined to run the travel business. And then I I realized within about three months that there was more money in financial services. (laughs) Um, So the board very fortunately said, well, why don't you look after 
the financial services part of the business. So I, I looked after that. And I also looked after utilities, you know, so energy switching as well. And, and there wasn't many price comparisons back then. Um, uh, I've said Clown at the beginning. I meant Credit Karma. I think it's probably the good example they can use gotcha. in the US where yep. it was starting to sort of aggregate. But, you know, Money Supermarket was a tremendous ride, entrepreneurial. And then suddenly IPO'd. And it was, I think it was the biggest IPO of a dot-com in Europe when it IPO'd. So it was wow. round about round about a couple of billion and dollars IPO, really successful. And then suddenly you've got these things called analysts and shareholders, <laughs> you know, and they, they they expect you every quarter to be able to tell you what's going to happen and et cetera. And it, it, the environment changed and it became um, more challenging, became a little bit more political as organizations get, get bigger. It became less fun. So I actually retired, believe it or not, at 42. And I say retired. I basically said I, I, I didn't want to do a proper job ever again. Mm. I wanted just to, um, I had the notion of just being this wandering nomad that went into organizations and helped them understand, um, you know, pearly words of my wisdom, how I could help them maybe be better, you right. know, for what right. it's worth. Um, so I took a time off for about a year. And then I spent time with my family, with you know, my wife, my kids, took my kids to school every day and learned how to do a bit of gardening and, and so forth. And then I got really bored really quite quickly. And that's how I ended up in Sykes. So I, and this is, this is the genuine truth. I was cutting my grass one day. Um, I got a phone call from a headhunter who said, um, who I know very well, who said, look, I know you're not doing anything. And I know this might be really quite small compared to what you've done before, but it's in travel. We know you love travel. It's in the northwest of the UK. That's where I lived. It's a small business with huge potential. And it's backed by private equity. And I knew very little about private equity. I didn't really know what it was. Why don't you go and have a meeting? And that's what I did. I, I met the private equity people first and said, explain private equity to me. How does it work? Help me understand what your ambition is, how we can grow faster. And um, I met the team, fell in love with the category, fell in love with the team, and then joined and then said, right, you know, whatever plan you've got, let's just double it. So what do we need to do in the next oh, four years? Yeah, so let's just, just double everything, you know, double, double the headcount, double the property count, double the revenue, double the EBITDA. What does double everything look like? And more importantly, how do you build something that could go from double to 10x mm -hmm. in a relatively short space of time? Because the headroom's there. And that is what started in 2016. That was the journey um, where we said, like, how are we going to do this? You know, what's the plan? What's the master plan? And what investment do we need? What capability do we need in people? What culture do we need? And we started it. And, you know, where we are today, we can we can go back. But to give you the context, you know, we're at um, 1,700 people from 185. Yeah, so I think, I think you more than doubled. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> not, not too much. Yeah. Um, you know, we were making about, in sterling, we were making, oh, well, actually, it was about $7 million profit we were making back then. Um, that's probably increased by more than 10 times in that period. So we're pretty profitable. From a supply point of view, stock, we've gone from 5,500 properties to 23,000 properties on the portfolio. But also, we've acquired 24 businesses and integrated them. And we also now own a whole bunch of assets as well, um, right. which we build, we build and we, we rent out. And you know, so we're a supplier, operator, or a marketing services company where 
you know, we're a, a company that does linen. We own a spa. We own a restaurant, and the rest goes on. So you, you do a you wear a ton of hats as far as Sykes Cottages um, wears a ton of tons of different you know opportunities. For those of us, and I'd say the majority of our audience is here stateside today. We're working on that. For those that don't know uh, Sykes Holiday Cottages, like, is there a company? And I know there's no one that's going to compare, you know, apples to apples 100%. But what, what company here in the States would you say is a comparable comparison to how you're running your business um, here stateside? It's a good question. Um, so when I first went to the U.S. to have a look about three years ago, I didn't find many organizations that I thought were similar. Um, and some of that is as a result of the, just the, the way that consumers behave differently in the U.S., <clears throat> Um, you know, not many, you know, so we're 85% of our business direct. Can't think of too many of vacation rental companies in the U.S. that have that level of direct. Mm. I think a few are starting to exist. Um, we were very profitable and, and growing fast. So we had managed to scale and be profitable. And what I was right. finding when I spoke to people that were growing really fast, but profitability was sort of going that way, mm. um, which is fine because, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, you have to invest and speculate to sort of a good future. So that was unusual. And I think, you know, managed service, which is what we would call the cleaning and the laundry and the maintenance and all that stuff, that was a big part of um, the vacation rental experience that was managed by property managers, whereas it's less so in Europe and in the UK. Um, but my recent trip, you know, when I was there, we, you know, before I came down to the beautiful Palm Beach, which is very nice, I spent a bit of time in uh, in New York and, you know, met a few people I'd met before. And, and I'm starting to see the emergence more of a few organizations, I think post-COVID, where, you know, COVID has sort of, you know, regained some of the um, muscle power, if you want to call it that. And some property managers in particular think have done pretty well on the back of it. So, you know, I admire what Steve Meyerl is doing uh, mm -hmm. and V-Trips is a good mm -hmm. example. Um, and I admire what Steve's doing because I think, you know, he's, he's very, he knows what he is. He knows what he's not. He knows what the business is. And I think he has a formula and a pattern is repeating it. And it, you know, seems to be doing pretty well. I also know the chaps that evolve very well. That's probably the closest model I would say. Right. And that's, and that's kind of what, what I was assuming you were going to say uh, based yeah. on the, the, the focus of uh, maintenance and housekeeping and cause they're kind of separate, like evolves a little bit different model here um, mm -hmm. in the States compared to most. Um, yeah. They're more of a, a booking platform where in, in the, the maintenance and the housekeeping could be, you know, it's almost like a, an add on, you know, you don't necessarily mm -hmm. have to go all in with that. And they've scaled pretty aggressively. Do you think that um, with the evolve and I know you, and I don't want to compare you apples to apples to evolve, but do you think, you know, when you look at your, your inventory, do you have, you know, the majority of it, is it exclusive or is, or is it like fully managed or exclusive is the wrong choice of word? Is it fully managed yeah, no, no, no. whereas you're doing, you know, everything from, you know, booking to, to housekeeping maintenance or is, are you more of a, a booking, you know, you know, that side of it and that the, the homeowners are still dealing with the, you know, the maintenance and the housekeeping side of things? Well, the, the most important thing for us is in, in the UK and in many parts of Europe, demand is not a problem. Mm -hmm. I know it's slightly different in the US in terms of where you get the demand, but demand's not an issue. So we have we have four or five times more demand than we have supply, is the way to look at it. Right. Now, 
<laughs> it's not quite as straightforward as that. But you know, I don't I don't lay in bed at night and I worry about how am I going to find more consumers. Right, um, right. Heads and beds it's, it's, is not an issue for you. Yeah, but it's a, it's a supply constraint market. Um, so we always start from the position of we will do whatever it takes to get the best properties in the best locations. Now, if that means we have to do full managed service, by that I mean pretty much everything, you know, give right. us the keys, we will do that. If it means the owner wants to do the cleaning and the laundry maintenance, et cetera, and we're just going to provide the guest management, maintenance, cash flow, booking services, then we'll do that. So we we have like a menu is the best way of describing it. You know, it's like a, you know, we sort of, you know, there's a, there's a start um, right. and then it can go up or go down. And it it's can like fly. a la carte after that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And I think, in, you know, where we stand today is across the total portfolio. If, if I leave New Zealand for one second, because that's slightly different, um, 85% roughly of the portfolio, we're doing everything apart from the cleaning. Mm. Okay. 15% of the portfolio, we're doing the cleaning in full managed service. Okay. And okay. so, so there's like a base commission level, which is an average of about 20%. So let's just mm -hmm. say, then we have a booking fee that we charge that tips it up to maybe 26%. And then depending on the level of services uh, an order wants, then that will take the rate up as well. It never quite gets as high as say a Vacasa at like mm -hmm. 47 or whatever it may be. Right. You know, it's, it's, you know, fully laden. It's probably sitting at about maybe 35%, maybe slightly more than that at most. Um, but really it's about making sure we get the best supply. Um, so we'll do whatever we need, which is why we do have, in hyper local locations, we have laundrettes, we have, you know, our own linen, we have our own, you know, cleaning companies, etc. as well. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Casago. And we John, you mean Casago. No, I meant Casago. John, that's not how you say it. You gotta get our sponsor's name right, man. Anyway, as I was saying before I got cut off, this episode is brought to you by Casago. And if you haven't heard of them, then here's the deal. Casago helps bring the biggest tech and strategy to the local operators so they can take on the big players. Casago's franchise model really does streamline the operations of the local and traditional vacation rental management company, making them the local heroes with a global presence. And the industry changing as much as it has, Casago's not only bringing these high-powered tools to the local operators, but they're also creating something even more powerful by making sure everyone is in the community and constantly learning from different markets and operators. We tell you this because they've joined us to get this exclusive offer just for checking them out a little bit more. Go to casago.com forward slash no BS. That is C-A-S-A-G-O dot C-O-M forward slash N-O-B-S to book your discovery call. What's included, you ask? A review of your business operation expenses to identify where you can save money, information on how to partner with Casago or Casago to scale your company, and a free $100 Amazon gift card for attending their one-hour discovery call. Now let's get back to the pod. So it's Casago. No, no, it's for sure Casago. You have no idea what you're talking about. It's Casago. No, dude, you're wrong. You're wrong. Whatever. Let's get back to the business. One of the questions I have for you is I, there's two things that kind of stick out in my mind that you, you, you said when you're talking about your business. My first question is, you know, I want to rewind a little bit and go back to your first day coming into the space. 20, <laughs> what was that? 2016. 
in your first day in, what stood out? What was the what was the immediate thing that you saw that the in the state of the industry in which you found it, where you knew you could have an initial impact and change for success for the business? It was really clear to me. Um, it was here's a great company, and here's a great market and a real opportunity, but it's lacking. The company is lacking a narrative, and a story, and a belief that it can become truly awesome. And that was like it was it was so clear it 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 was sort of a you know it was the business of marginal gains that existed since 1991 mm -hmm. and had just done a little bit better and the culture that had been created in the business was one of probably more departmentation between the different layers of the company you know between like you know reservations and you know property recruitment uh, operations finance back office it's all quite layered but nowhere was there glue they held it together and said, like, this is what we're going to become. We're going to do it in the next four years. This is These are the four things we need to do it. And this is how we're going to measure the success. And this is how we're going to behave. So it lacked a bit of a, you know, like a rallying cry or a galvanation to bring it together. All the ingredients were there. Just if, right. you, tried to bake, if you tried to bake a cake in the way it was when I came in, you would have made a very poor cake. Um, and my job was to sort of try and bring it all together. So we did things in the right way, spoke to our investors and said, look, this is where we're going. Are you with us? You know, can we have some money to help us go faster? <laughs> um, Isn't that always and, a question? Yeah. Can we hire some great people? And this is how we want to talk, how we want to behave, how we want to think. Um, and that's that was the thing that stood out to me, you know, really day one, early on. Also, um, Interestingly, I remember walking around the building on my very first day and people said to me, God, I'm really amazed that you've turned up and you're not wearing a suit. Mm. <laughs> Considering where you've come from and what you've done. And I thought that was quite interesting, you know, in terms of the perceptions of what people were thinking I was going to be as this sort of a new CEO from, you know, the corporate world, let's just say. Well, um, that was, yeah, there was a wave of that, right? Like at that time in that transition, we saw a certain level of sophistication coming into the industry. And I, I remember yeah, my first conference, I, I felt overdressed in a polo, like in like in like khaki pants and, you know, because we used to wearing suits. And that's one of the things that stood out. But, you know, one of the things I hear in what you're saying is, you know, you've built all the ingredients to build your brand. Right. We have so many businesses in in our industry today that, you know, but everyone's trying to like we have this mythology of the elusive STR brand. What's going to be the brand? Who's going to be the brand? Is it going to be Vicasa? Is it going to be V-Trips? Is it going to be XYZ company? I love to hear how you approached this and then what was built out of it, because from this side of the pond and looking over there, I like I've, I've always heard about what you're doing and it's exciting and it's great, but hearing it from you, it's almost like you've built something that could encapsulate everything that was needed by a differing, different level of demographics within our, or, or within our industry. So different types of managers with different needs or different owners of different needs, right? Not managers, just owners. And you're able to yeah. give them something that could attach them to you, right? And then once you got yeah. them, you want to keep them happy and you're able to, it seems like a fascinating story. One of the things that sticks out is the ownership component. You own pieces, you own buildings, you do buildings that you own. 
how did you get your investors to buy into that? <laughs> First of all, right? like, and, and, and what was, what was the thought process? Cause that could be an extremely risky uh, out uh, undertaking, right? There's a lot of risk within that and being successful. And it's not cheap to do that, but if you do yeah, it right. Look, look, I, I think, you know, you don't do it day one, you know, you have to earn the right over time to be able to have the grown-up conversations about moving from asset light to more asset heavy and what does that really mean um mm -hmm. but you know going back to your i'll come back to that but you know what was important for us is to say look do we all believe 185 people back 2016 do we all believe we can be the best at what we're trying to do here you know and and, and if we believe that then how are we going to measure it by when you know, what do we need to do by when? Really simple. So so one is about a purpose. You know, what's the purpose? Why are we getting out of our bed in the morning? And do we all believe it? Um, then secondly, how are we going to measure it? So what do we need to do by when? And we anchored ourselves on supply because that was a real fuel. So we said, we need 20,000 properties by by 2020. That was the number because the original plan said 10,000 properties. So we right. said double it. And you doubled it, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Now, look, you know, for me, it wasn't about we've got to hit 20,000 properties or, you know, do or die. It was the aspirational moonshot of saying we believe we can get to 20,000 properties. You know, and, it, it, you know, I always believe in setting what we call BHAGs, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals. You know, right. just you, you look at it and you go, Jesus, you know, there's no way, you know, we're going to get there. That looks really quite challenging. Um, and then we, then we, then we sat down to say, well, how do we do it? Well, what do we need? Well, first of all, we need to have a trusted brand. And the only way we're going to get a trusted brand is by earning trust. So how do we do that? Then we need to deliver the best experience for our customers. What does that mean? Then we need to be the owner's choice. So if an owner chooses us, we need to know why they're choosing us over something else. What's important to the owner? Is it revenue? Is it, you know, is it, you know, warm bodies and beds? Is it service? Whatever it may be. And then the final one we said is, well, we have to build this in the capability of being a platform using data that allows us to scale. And so those were the four pillars of our, you know, so everything we did had to fit into those four pillars. And if it didn't, we shouldn't be doing it. And then there was a series of behaviors, which are values that are driving the way. Then each one of these, each one of these um, pillars then has to have a set of objectives and measurable. What are you going to do by when? Right. You know, mm -hmm. you know, what does it look like? What are the key measures? And then naturally what then happens is, well, capability, what do you need? Well, we need to hire people who can run a business twice the size, and we probably need to hire them now. We probably can't afford them now, but we need to mm -hmm. hire them now. So right. they're, they're there for the future. We we, we need to get 20,000 properties. Well, we're never going to do it organically. So what do we do? Well, let's, let's split it in two. Let's see how many can we get through M&A? Who can we buy? Mm -hmm. How many can we get organically? Well, if you want to buy some businesses, you need to go and borrow some money. So how much money are we going to go and borrow to buy some businesses? And then, you know, who are we going to buy? Where are we going to buy? Is it going to add value? What are the measures of success of value? How do we make sure we don't just collect businesses? Mm -hmm. How do we integrate them quickly? And how do we show our investors that there's a model and a formula that makes them more confident? And that allowed us over time to just grow and grow the profit curve and get more comfortable. Then eventually you come with a conversation that says, and you know what? I'd like to own some assets. <laughs> I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy. Um, you know, you know. So, so you have a business in the U.S. called Getaway Vacations, mm -hmm. which are um, I think they call them outposts 
in forests. So we own similar, very similar. Okay. We own we own seven hundred um, cabins. You know, four anything from you know one bedroom up to four or five bedroom tree houses and cabins, all purpose built. We build them. You know, across the UK, um, and we own and operate the whole things. And you know, and the reason we were able to do that is it fitted directly into our mission. It fitted into our purpose. Our investors could see how it would add value. Well, and, and we you, have, get... you have a proven track record of success leading up to, exactly. to, to your ask. You know, yeah. it's not like you're just shooting from the hip saying, this is what we're going to do and without a proven track record. I think, I think like, any, like, you know, investors like anything, like, you know, if you're, you know, if you earn trust <laughs> through, you know, executing and, it, and it's the, it's the failure of most organizations that I, come across or speak to that are struggling, they don't know the purpose and they just don't know how to execute, you know, and, and it's drawing that line or that narrative and understanding between this is where I want to go and we believe it and we're going to keep communicating and everybody believes it. So when I look over my shoulder, I've got 1700 people with me that know exactly where I'm going and this is how we're going to execute it. You know, these are the key things that are required. Um, and that's the framework we use and it's, you know, touch wood, you know, being, relatively successful we could have gone faster we could have gone and bought loads of things we could have come across to the u.s and bought up a whole bunch of things you know because we turned down lots of opportunities but unless they fitted into a model unless i could see how we create value unless we believe that we could make value from it and then we always said no to it you know we had to be quite disciplined in our formula and our thinking have you spent hours determining what rate you should charge at your short-term rental property of course you have this is a huge part of the vacation rental business, and it can be tricky knowing if your place is on par with other properties in the area. But now you don't have to wonder, you don't have to worry. And that's because it's so much easier pricing out your properties with Beyond Pricing. Here's how it works. Beyond uses a dynamic pricing tool along with in-depth market research to make sure your property is valued exactly how it should be. They take dozens of factors into account, including your property's location, other rental rates in the area, any amenities on your property, nearby attractions, all of the things that most of us just wouldn't think about when pricing our own properties. That way you don't miss out on profits and your guests feel confident in the rate that they're paying so they come back again and again and again. That's a win-win and it gets even better. Beyond's platform is easy to use so you can save time and think about other areas of your business or enjoy your free time a little more now that you won't be stressing out about the rate you're charging. There's a reason why hundreds of single and multi-property owners trust Beyond's platform to determine what they should charge their guests. Beyond is dedicated to the short-term rental community. It's where their business was born and it's where they intend to stay. Don't wait, get the profits you deserve. Go to gobeyondpricing.com forward slash no dash BS for a free portfolio assessment and a $30 credit when you sign up. That's G-O-B-E-Y-O-N-D-P-R-I-C-I-N-G forward slash N-O dash B-S. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the episode. Graham, I got a question for you. You you scaled exponentially since since 2016 through now. You know, there we've seen, you know, comparable uh, companies here in, in the States that have done similar things. Overall, there is a mixed bag of reactions from, from current property managers to homeowners to hosts to companies of your size and girth that are doing the things that, that you are doing. There, you know, some that's like, this is amazing, this is wonderful. You know, you have your own proprietary tech, you're doing your tech first kind of kind of company. But then there's also some like like overall, if I were to say look at property managers 
here on the US that aren't, say, Vacasa or Evolve, that it would be like, eh, I don't really love what, what these large corporate or these large companies are doing. Do you feel that you're scaling as quickly and as fast and as, as, as grand as you did in the US has a, you know, what has that done to your brand? Is it a positive thing overall? Or do you think that you've had to, to battle that to, you know, you know, in recent years to, to kind of keep that, that positive brand image of Sykes? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We could, we, we could have a two or three hour long podcast just on brand. You know, what is a brand? What does it mean? You know, it's, it, it's um, we made a conscious decision that when we did a lot of M&A, what we were also acquiring was not just great properties. We were acquiring great people and brands that had legacy that owners had chosen to list their property with them for a reason. Some of it was about the brand, some of it legacy, some of that is the localization and so forth. So what we do, which is different from many organizations, is you know, we don't just have one brand. And you you'll hear me talk about Sykes Holiday Cottages, but actually, you know, and at the moment I'm actually going through a whole rebranding. What does it what does it mean? Because it doesn't make any sense anymore, Sykes Holiday Cottages, because we've got 26 brands in the company. Now right. Sykes is a, Sykes is a bit of a powerhouse because it's got all this demand and all this volume. But you know, we have real local niche specialist brands. We have caravan operating brands and um, you know we have forest holidays as a brand we have premium specialists etc and we maintain and look after all those brands because they have a they have an understanding they have a purpose and owners and customers want to use them now it carries an overhead right. but we're happy we're happy to carry that overhead as opposed to just saying kill them consolidate it and it's all under one ownership because it adds value and we can see that it adds value so um, we're a collection of brands that have come together and will come together basically because we believe that collectively we're more powerful than one overall individual sort of a power brand. So, you know, we, we're, we're a brand that's salient as in Sykes Holidays. Um, we're a brand that's considered, but, you know, I wouldn't say we're a brand that has massive differentiation at a brand level from many others, but what we do have is supply that we control this exclusive that you can't get anywhere else. And that is powerful because it helps us build the brand. And what we do, what we do is we spend a lot of time on service and use that as a differentiator. So we obsess about net promoter score. We obsess about, mm. you know, trying to improve the overall experience for our guests and for our owners. And that engenders loyalty, trust, and we have a high rebook rate. Um, now that is all part of your brand, um, but we do it through the hard lifting as opposed to, you know, spending twenty million pounds advertising or buying a football team. Right. Well, re- quick pause just for our, our listeners, and and uh, and I love that last comment about buying a football team. But um, NPS for those that are listening, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Graham, is basically you're going to go ahead and survey your your customers mm-hmm. and you're going to go ahead and your clients or, or the users and and ask them if they would go ahead and you know would you rebook or reuse mps i mean rebook with sykes and yeah the question the, the, it's a very simple question, question. It's, um, we we ask four questions but there's really one power question it's like would you recommend Mend. sykes to your family friends mm-hmm. 
and then you have to pick a number between like you know zero like no through to ten. 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 Yeah. Okay. And the, the, the nines and the tens are what's called promoters. And then right. the zeros, the zeros to sort of a um, I think it's six are the are the um detractors, and then um it might be five, and then the the, the bit in the middle, the sort of the um the, the sevens and the eights or six, seven, eights, they're passives. They're a bit like, yeah, it was all right. And what right. you want, what you want, and then what you do is you minus the promoters from the detractors to give you a score. Mm-hmm. And you know, a really good net promoter score is somewhere between you know 45 and 50. Um, you know, a poor one, you know, or or more average, I should say, is maybe 35. Um, an exceptional one is anything 70 or above. Um, and obviously, the bigger you are, the more scale you have, the more reviews you go, the harder it is to maintain those higher right. numbers. And the higher the NPS, there's studies galore on this, the higher the NPS generally the better the company is, you know, better retention, you know, better loyalty, better profitability, better run companies, um, all that stuff. And so what we've always looked for is like, what's that key metric, that one metric, you know, that's not profit. If we can Mm -hmm. drive it higher, the business performs better. And that's where we use NPS. And um, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of energy just obsessing over everything. So when a detractor comes in, you're like, damn, you know, like, right, right. and, and, how, do, and how do you change them? You know, that guess from a detractor to even passive, um, obviously yeah. you want to get them, you know, but how, it makes sense. Total sense. Yeah. It, and that's about intervention. You know, that's about closing the loop. It's about making sure it's fixed, making sure you learn from it. Now we employ, I think there's 62 people in this team now and all they do is just really obsess over trying to make this better. And getting all the feedback because of the volume we're taking you know mm-hmm. you're taking three million people on holiday a year you know you're getting a lot of feedback about 40 odd percent you know giving you feedback and then you're getting a lot of instant responses that happens at the moment of truth right you know the moment you, the, the, you know you've gone on holiday you've come back you've checked out is the day after how do we do and then that's the loop that we close from a brand standpoint too something you said about your brand i think that's really stands out to me and the idea of what brands really are. I think when we hear, oh, there's no, who's going to be the STR brand? And like, what is that going to look like? And I think it's kind of homogenous when people think about it in their brain. But I think something that you hit on that I'm sure is the key to your success is the, the diversity of what your brand actually makes up and what it encompasses because if there is diversity within your brand that covers a wide gambit of everything the people you are serving and the customers you're serving needs my my metric is always more than anything else where the customer is going you know what success are you showing like are, are, are people staying with you or your homeowners you know happy and staying with you within that space are the numbers supporting that are your guests happy are those the metrics that people are looking at and yes as i promised to steve profitability is key and i think it's very different in terms of the way that you i hear that you do things and the way that i hear other brands in the, in the us do things and in the race to profitability right i think yeah one of yeah, the I mean, things that's noble for you is it's you did it at scale and at time and and to be able to 
to do it through MA and bring cultures along and to, to merge and, and to bring cultures into a brand and make them fit and work is no easy task. We see people fail at this all the time. They buy businesses, you know, they think they're buying the incumbencies and it just doesn't work with the cultures. Yeah, look, I think, you know, there's no magic pill here. There's no yeah. sort of a you know, matrix moment. You, yeah. you, you have to do many things very well. Yeah, and and, uh, and most paths come back to the people you have, your employees, and uh, how you make them feel. That's really important to us as an organization. And hiring talent and not being afraid to like you know almost overhire. Mm. And, and so we believe, and I believe in this very much that you know if you think of if you think of a flow of employee experience, and then you think. If you get that right, what it leads to in terms of the customer experience, and then what that leads to in terms of the business experience, the you know if, if if you go straight in, you're trying to sort of you know go right to the end of it. It doesn't work. You have to lay all those foundations. You have to do all that work, and you have to make sure you've got right people, smart people who know what's expected of them, who are understanding their purpose, understanding the why, coming to work every day with a spring in their step, who are properly paid, properly remunerated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, you share out the love, share out the equity. If we all make money, I mean, we, we give, let's say give away, that's the wrong word. We distribute about 10% of our profit to our employees each year mm-hmm. through various incentive schemes. And, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time on culture because, you know, we can foster all that. It just leads to, leads to better outcomes for the, you know, when you're interacting with guests or with owners, you know, better thinking, better mindset, better capability. But you've got to do so many things well, you know. I mean, I call it the flywheel, but it's like you know, there's, there's, you know, my CFO's got a great expression. He sort of a, he always talks about it as a marathon, and you know, we always talk about which water stop are we on in the marathon, right? Because you know, there's so many different water stops that you have mm-hmm. to sort of go on. And, Is that Michael? You know, Michael Graham? Yeah, him as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a good analogy because you know, we're always running the marathon, and we've definitely not completed one. You know, we're probably we're probably ha- we've probably done a half marathon in our five years, oh. um, but we got another you know we've got another five years ahead of us, and you know, and we have some big targets, big ambition, and you know, we just keep resetting it because we operate, you know, in an amazing category that is that is delivering amazing experiences. We're creating memories, which are you know brilliant we're taking people on holiday we're helping we're helping communities we're helping owners have you know additional income i mean there's so many things that are just joyful about the short-term letting sort of industry and i know you've got people throwing stones at us around regulation and various different things and you know etc etc but ultimately this category is phenomenal and it's so fragmented and it's so huge there's room for everybody now, I, I, I mean, I, I don't believe, and it's interesting, you know, who's going to be the brand or the STR brand. I don't think anybody is. I think there's going to be consolidation. You know, I think there's going to be lots of opportunities. But you know what? There's a there's bounty for everybody. Well, um, I think you know, I think with the brand thing, Graham, is is that there 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 are people coming up in the space and smaller smaller operators that are that are looking at established brands 
as you know as a guiding light you know and so i don't necessarily look at it like who's going to be the brand there's 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 a handful of brands that are that are guiding lights and then there's a bunch of brands that are trying to replicate the successes of these other brands which you know in most instances is a is a form of flattery right mm, yeah. hey you know sykes has done some amazing things we want to do things like sykes you know you know you're tracking and i i read an article I think it was uh, that RU that Vanessa did actually uh, did an interview with you a couple of years ago where you're tracking over 20 million properties outside of your own to getting yeah. to getting data. I mean, and you and know and we know that that the company and you, you alluded to it earlier in our conversation that it's this is, you know, when you first came in, say, hey, we need data, we need mm -hmm. data to go ahead and back everything we're doing like this tracking of all these properties that you've been doing globally is obviously helped you scale, you know, but where is this taking you today? Are you still tracking these 20 in these millions and millions of properties? And yeah, we uh, are. <laughs> we, and, we, and we, we are, <laughs> we, we, we are, but look, you know, and people keep saying to me, you know, um, so when are you going to America or when are you going to Europe or whatever? And, my job as a CEO is to always be able to tell a story um, about value creation and how we're going to be successful for everyone, but most importantly, investors. Because, you know, you need cash, you need capital, you need to be able to sort of keep growing. And we've taken a path that we're a private equity-backed company and we have a whole bunch of investors who believe in us and give us that financial support. So I have to be able to understand where the market is, where right. I'm going. And also, I have to be able to understand the story I want to tell in five years' time. So tracking all the properties globally, understanding, you know, where are the opportunities, understanding how the markets are moving, understanding how regulation is playing in, understanding the difference between urban and rural, understanding the difference between managed service and property managers, understanding who, who are the 13,000 plus property managers that may exist globally. What are they doing? Who are the runners and riders? That's all part of what I need to know to be able to tell a story. Now I may choose to say there's an opportunity here, you know, for some big, hairy, scary private equity company who may want to use us as the premier consolidator globally. It could happen. I need right. to know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Equally, um, equally at the moment, we have said, do you know what? We talk in the language of TAM, which, you know, for your audience is mm -hmm. total addressable market. I need to understand what is my addressable market. That is why if you think of our business, the best way to think of our business is we have an agency business in Sykes and 22 other brands. We have a premium operator business where we run and operate in a holiday, so you follow us holiday business. We have a camping and caravan division where we have six and a half thousand camping uh, caravan pitches across the UK. And we have a small and small, but potentially future huge international business. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how we think. And like, you know, what is that? At the highest level, there's like 20, there's 20 plus million properties and lots of RVs and caravans. And, you know, your, your time when you're talking about, you know, something like getaway vacations or forest holidays is very different because that's about, is there land you can build in right. <laughs> a different type of time because you're manufacturing. And whereas in your agency business, you know, it, you know it's much more around stock and properties. Um, don't get me started in camping and caravan and RVs because that market is enormous. Uh, it's and, insane. And, and, and the it's reason exploding. All, mm -hmm. it is. And the reason it all works is at its core, all of those divisions and all those businesses, what they want to do is to pick, take people on holiday and make sure they have a really good time, create memories 
and do it in a sustainable way. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. And that, that's what our purpose is, you know? So it translates across all of them. With all this, you just talked about, you know, where is, I guess, where is, what's next for Sykes? You know, can you allude at all with, you know, you, you, we know you're, you know, you're talking about you're, you're at the half marathon mark. And in, we know in five years, you'll still be at that half marathon mark, right? But where, you know, what's next for Sykes? Can you, if you can allude anything. Maybe running an ultra marathon there. We'll just yeah. extend <laughs> distance. Look, we, we're trying to create, and this is going to sound horrible, but I'll, I'll say it in financial terms, we're trying to create, you know, three billion of enterprise value for our shareholders um, by 2026. That's sort of a, the the value. And the reason I say that, and the reason we talk in that language is, if I know that, I can work my way back in terms of what are the building blocks to sort of get there. And what I know is that we need more supply um, across all these categories, not just agency, but, you know, operator and caravans and possibly international. Um, I know that we need to go from taking 3 million people on holiday to about 5 million people on holiday, which is roughly what the number is. Um, I know that we'll need significant investment to sort of do that. Um, I know we need more capability. We'll probably need, you know, another 1,000 plus people in order to sort of do that. Um, where we will do that, the geography we're in, um, that I don't know. You know, that we will have to sort of work through and try and try and understand. So I work back from this sort of the enterprise value. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Um, right. You know, it's, and then I sort of say, you know, like, okay, so what's the revenue I need? What's the potential EBITDA that's going to generate? Right. And what are the business units that we have? And then what do those business units need to do? And I deconstruct the model in that particular way. And then that allows me to then go out and say, here's the story, here's the plan. Now, you know, those 20 million properties we're tracking, you know, here's the opportunity. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it could be, do you know what? We have to make a foothold into the US because the market's so big, it's so fragmented and it's just so nice. Mm-hmm. So how could we enter the US? Well, let's go and buy X company. You know, that gives us a beachhead. You know, it gives us one to 2,000 properties, which is what you look at, and, a, and it's a good company, well-run, and we can help them with capability technology, and we'll give them the ambition to getting to, you know, five or 6,000 properties in the next couple of years, and we'll provide all support. That could be one route. Or it could be, do you know what? We have a brilliant business in New Zealand. Let's move from New Zealand into Auckland, sorry, into Australia, sorry, from Auckland into Australia. Let's grow it that way. There's all these different opportunities that we can sort of look at. Or it could be we just, you know, buy lots of RVs. Um, it's it's all it's all opportunity, and as long as we know how to create value and we can execute well, that's the key thing for me. Then you know we'll we'll keep sort of doing it. What excites you about what you have coming down the pipeline, like with where Sykes and whatever the new name is? Please don't come up with something bad like Alphabet or, or something crazy. Like I, I, I think it's, you're going to come up with a really cool name. I'm looking forward to the re the, the rebranding of what you're you're going to come out with. But yeah, so my knows? question to you is like, what excites you? Like, what are you really looking forward to? And it and and it could be anything else. It doesn't have to be directly related to you know your plan and, and path to profitability. But you know when you're looking at the future of of what you've inherited and, and come into you know what what excites you every week well I, I get a kick out of um you know seeing things grow and seeing things you know building things and then seeing how they sort of you know they they flourish and i also get a real kick out of you know 
you know, when you when you set a goal and set a challenge and you're sitting there thinking, I have no idea how we're going to get there. This seems quite audacious at this point in time. And then when you get there and you're like, brilliant, but then you just say, well, let's reset that again. And that's just sort of a, so, so that, that, um, that really excites me in terms of, you know, growth, really and growth opportunity. The other thing I've really become very attuned to is a responsibility we have as a big business to really consider how we're balancing both uh, profit, but also the impact that we can have on the planet as well. So we spend a lot of time and energy um, in our organization thinking about how we really hire talent and attract talent because we're more than just, you know, a big profitable sort of a, you know, machine. We also care mm-hmm. about the footprint. We care about the impact we have on the planet. And because, you know, we're big enough now, we can really do something about it, you know, meaningful. So, and and I can see, I had a call yesterday with the, with the team who are leading this in the UK, and um, we've just taken a whole bunch of families away who need a respite, who need care, um, and our owners have gifted, you know, um, weeks that that can sort of happen. And just the joy, you know, never mind the joy on the families, but the joy on the employees, mm-hmm. because they're participating in that, and they can see it happening, yeah. that 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 will stick with me you know and i think we want to do more and more of and i genuinely believe you know businesses can balance profit and purpose you know you don't have to be a business as i've ever said you know you need to give away all your profit you know and you need to do good you can actually get it right so you know so i think that really excites me and i think that probably leads to the final point which is around you know i love seeing people grow as well you know i love seeing people grow in the organization i love seeing your talent you know moving through the organization when you're bigger, you can do clever things. You can move people around. You can take opportunities. You can move people to different countries. You can sort of, you know, take people from, you know, from, you know, from graduates, you know, straight university. And then suddenly you can put them in charge of, you know, within five years, you know, relatively large divisions. I get a real kick out of that. You mentioned a lot of uh, like a philanthropic kind of uh, approach to, to doing these things. And you also mentioned environmentally focused as well. And, you know, it with being as as large and as big a footprint you know carbon footprint you know is there too you know are you are there specific um you know things that you're trying to do to 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 work on your sustainability uh with the environment as well yeah as you as you would expect with us there's a clear plan there's clear measures um and we hold everybody accountable to it we built it into people's objectives you know, we have a, a clear understanding of what we're trying to do. And we we use the B Corp framework. I don't know if you're familiar with B Corp. Um, no. You, know, yep. uh, you should, should am, definitely, definitely look up B Corp, mm-hmm. uh, which which came out of the US. So, you know, amazing brands like, you know, Patagonia yep. is a good example of an amazing brand that's a B Corp. Um, um, and, and that gives you a framework you can sort of, uh, that's aligned to sort of a, you know, um, you know um, what's called the SDG, sort of, you know, goals coming out of, coming out of, um, you know, the EU around how we should really be thinking about balancing um, across multiple areas. So it includes, you know, governance of your business and includes how you think about your employees, they call them workers, which I don't really like, but workers, right. how you think about the, you, what you give back to communities, how you think about, you know, your social impact, how you think about your environmental impact. And each one of these things has measures and goals and actions. And you can go on to um, B Corp and there's a free assessment you can fill out you know, you answer a whole bunch of questions, it gives you a score um, and it tells you how you're doing and it tells you what great looks like. 
and it tells you what world class looks like and you can set a journey. And so we use that as a way of saying, you know, what are the things we want to do? You know, so, you know, we make a commitment to, you know, having, I mean, I guess the numbers will be 3,400 volunteering days a year. Mm. Uh, you know, and we, we allow all of our employees to go out and give back to communities or share their skills. We've made a real commitment in terms of reducing carbon and not offsetting, but reducing it. So the first thing is to measure it, understand the core business impact, but then understand the wider footprint and then say, what can you do to influence and reduce it? And mm -hmm. uh, we make a commitment around how we think about supporting biodiversity projects, about how we think, you know, uh, com a commitment to trees and tree planting in terms of volume. Mm -hmm. um, and the list goes on, you know, so yeah, all no, of that. This, it's, it's all built this is into amazing. people's objectives. It's all built into people's objectives. And, and, you know, we track it and we reward it. And we have dedicated people who we hire who do nothing but this. You know, we call wow. them impact managers and they, they have ambassadors. And, you know, we really, you know, we work with local communities. We, we, we sponsor everything from local football teams to sponsoring the whole, the national parks across the UK mm. to, you know, um, supporting um, natural habitat planting. The list goes on. Um, I mean, every day, somebody somewhere doing something there was people yesterday i just saw on our intranet who were painting garden sheds at, um at the neuromuscular society so basically we're helping helping a society out with charitable work you know people just love doing it and the um yeah. and it's a key when we're hiring people and talking to people it's a, just a key way that we sort of get people engaged in the organization you know it helps if you got really nice coffee it helps if you have a gym in your office and all that, you know, <laughs> cool stuff. Right. But, but, but Gen Z in particular, you know, you think about a lot of Gen Zs and we hire a lot of these, these, uh, you know, generation Z people in digital marketing and, and product and, you know, usability and data science. They're, they're coming to work with a slightly different purpose. You know, mm -hmm. they're not quite, they're not quite as spoon fed as millennials. And they're not quite as streetwise, maybe as sort of a Gen X, but um, you know they want to side hustle and they want to they want to leave a little bit of a legacy and have more of a purpose, and it's great for recruiting people. Graham, this has been great. We really, really, really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. We I've learned a ton. Um, I know our audience has learned a ton, and and would love to have you on in in a in the future to see what's changed and see, you know, see where you are in the marathon at that time. Yeah. I was going to say, we'll meet you at the next water stop. We definitely <laughs> want to have, we'll meet you there and have a conversation. Awesome. Loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Take care. Cheers. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.